Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Facebook is an American online social media and social networking service founded by Facebook, Inc. It was founded in 2004 by Mark Zuckerberg, along with his fellow Harvard College students and roommates. Facebook today claims that it has nearly 3 billion monthly active users around the planet. That's almost half of the entire planet. What we are going to talk about for the next couple hours is the controversy surrounding Facebook right now. There's a book called Behind the Mask of Facebook, a whistleblower's shocking story of big tech bias and censorship. Two special people with us. The first, Kent Heckin-Lively back with us. Kent is a science teacher, an attorney, a staff writer for Green Med Info, and a founding contributing editor of Age of Autism. In the summer of 2010 and 2011, he attended the Teacher Research Academy at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratories, spending eight weeks in a virus lab investigating the expression of microRNAs in a monkey model of Ebola infection. He has written a number of books, including Inoculated, How Science Lost, Lost Its Soul in Autism. Kent, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, George. And I'm going to introduce Ryan, and then I'm going to have you, Kent, talk about how you two got together, and then off we go. Ryan Hartwig was a uh, content moderator for Cognizant, which was under contract to Facebook after observing many instances of domestic and foreign bias. Ryan contacted Project Veritas and then became a whistleblower. This story is told in this book that we're talking about tonight, Behind the Mask of Facebook, a whistleblower's shocking story of big tech bias and censorship. And Ryan, thank you for coming on the program tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Ken, tell us about the relationship with Ryan. How did you two meet up? You know, it was really very interesting because I had first done another big tech whistleblower's book, uh, Google Leaks, with Zach Voorhees. And then uh, Zach and Ryan were good friends, and I believe that Zach had set Ryan up with my agent, and my agent contacted me and said, okay, you've done Google, how about Facebook? And uh, uh, strangely enough, I was really busy at the time, and, and I didn't have time for it, and, and uh, Ryan came back to me a, a couple months later, and I was able to jump in and help him put his book together, get it across the finish line. He'd done so much work on it already. He is just uh, a really intelligent thorough researcher, and it was really such an easy task to be his co-writer because he had done so much and gathered so much material. And uh, I think the thing that really attracted me, uh, as it does with all my stories, is I'm always looking for a good central character, and and Ryan is just as honest as can be. Um, You know, and he, he... like these whistleblowers, he risked so much because sure. here he was working for Cognizant and uh, looking to have a career with him, and then he saw things wrong and felt like he had to speak up. And, you know, that's not usually good for your career. But, uh, you know, I I like to write stories of heroes, and Ryan joins the pantheon of heroes that I've had the uh, pleasure of writing their stories. Well, let's bring Ryan Hartwig in again. Uh, Ryan, you, of course, uh, know that Facebook's getting slapped around from all different angles right about now. But what made you decide to go public? Yeah, I I decided to go public because I just felt like it was my civic duty as a patriot. Um, Of course, I didn't plan on on going public. When I started there, uh, it was kind of a dream job for me because I was using my Spanish. I love Spanish. I was following current events and politics, which I love. And so... 
after about a year there, I just started seeing, you know, multiple exceptions. So I just felt like the American public decided, should know what Facebook was doing, doing behind closed doors to prioritize content and censor political speech. What did you decide to come forward with? What did you start seeing that really got to you? Yeah, um, so the, the first summer that I started there, because I started in, in March of 2018 uh, there for Cognizant, and I started in, on, the, uh, on the Latin American side, but I was seeing content on, on both sides, North America and, and South America. Um, but that first summer there, summer of, of 2018, uh, there was a viral, there were some there's some things about, um, like, um, there was a viral video, viral video of, a, of a Trump supporter being attacked, and this is just one, ex- one of many examples, but Facebook decided to delete that viral video. So just the power they wield for both sides, whether for the left or the right, and I'm pretty clear about this in the book, that censorship can be bad for, for anybody sure. who's trying to, uh, you know, have a, have a political conversation and so face, the rules, Facebook kind of made up the rules as they went. So there was really no clear violation for this viral video of, a, of, a, of a, this, this kid being attacked, but Facebook decided to delete the viral video. So that just like really got to me because I realized how much power Facebook has, and they can really control like the public discourse on the Internet. And Ryan, in your opinion, is Facebook starting to wane a little bit? I mean, it's got close to 3 billion people who have signed up with it. But the word is on the street that I hear from my grandkids and stuff is that younger people are kind of turning away from Facebook like they did MySpace. Yeah, I think that's that's true. I think uh, I mean, there's a lot. I think Facebook is losing losing some of its value, um, and people are turning away from it. Um, they still have Instagram, so you know. I, I also reviewed content for Instagram, and Instagram is more popular with young kids, um, but. You know, with some of these missteps that Facebook's been making, I mean, going back to as far as back as Cambridge Analytica, where they're, we know they're abusing data, uh, Facebook's definitely not as, not as popular as it used to be. Um, it definitely has a stranglehold on the market still, uh, but I think people are going on it less and less. Kent, tell me what your concern is about Facebook. I mean, it's not a newspaper. It's not like the New York Times or the Washington Post or our city newspapers that you see, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, the L.A. Times. But it does have an influence, and when it sends out news stories, a lot of people follow it, and sometimes they get hits in the millions. What's your concern here? Yeah, I, yeah my concern my, with Facebook, and it's a little bit different than some of these other whistleblowers coming forward, uh, but my concern is they're not really holding true to the origins of the law that, that gives them the authority to censor content. Um, so... You know, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act from 1996, the, the law actually talks about how the Internet should be have, allow for a, a true diversity of political discourse. And I'm not really seeing that happen. And um, so I'm seeing this censorship. Most of the other whistleblowers call for more censorship. Uh, from a more of a libertarian perspective, I don't think there should be as much censorship, especially of political conversations. Uh, so that's that's the danger I see, is this you know with these mega corporations, uh, Facebook and Google controlling just large swaths, swaths of the internet, where I really think the internet should be kind of free from a centralized control. Kent, what do you think? Yeah, and I think that what is happening is the social media giants are replacing a lot of the traditional media, so that 
all of the concerns that we have about fairness in media, we should have for fairness in social media. And one of the things that I think was really interesting in Ryan's story and was very clear to me is that Facebook was really trying to build the airplane as they were flying it. And so what Ryan was experiencing was like every two weeks, you'd get more, uh, you'd get an update. and Oh, here's our, our here's what we're doing. And, and then what really kind of got him was seeing the exceptions. So I think that we can all generally agree that to call, you know, somebody filth is, is not a good thing. And that was one of Facebook's policies. Well, along came uh, the uh, Pride Month, and suddenly it became okay for the LGBT community to call straight white males filth if they didn't agree with their agenda. And so suddenly what you saw was that there was this attempt to put the fingers on the scale of the political discussion so that, you know, I, I think everybody just wants the rules to be equally applied. And so when you saw such examples like that, you just said to yourself, something is not right here. They're not playing fair. And, and even though I understand the argument that these are, are private companies, although I think there's a problem with that because they have so much government involvement. And if you know anything about discrimination law, if there's any governmental connection, you really have to follow you know, the rules as any government did. But you know, let's put that aside. But the problem is these social media giants have sold themselves to the public as free and open platforms, and they're betraying the trust of their, consu- of their consumers. And I just don't think it's a good business model to betray the trust of your customers because eventually your customers are going to find other places to go. And so regardless of whether the government does something, I think that people are going to be voting with their, uh, with their clicks and moving away to the first thing that looks as good as Facebook when it appears. Do you think, Ken, it's just too big right now and it's too big to handle and control? Well, you know, it was really interesting because, you know, Ryan documented over 40 examples of what he saw as bias. And as I kept looking at this again and again, I found myself saying, I just don't think there are adults in charge at Facebook. Um, You know, uh, because when you create a large company, you have to be aware that, you know, you need to generate trust with the public. And so many of the decisions that they were making were violating that trust. And I I just felt like they didn't have certain voices in the room. You know, like I said, they, they didn't have the adults there who said, hey, this isn't a good idea. This is going to backfire on you. So I think a lot of short-term thinking, not a lot of long-term thinking, and I, I think it's, it's really uh, going to come back and bite them in the end. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.